Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. said earlier, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2 this morning. And as was mentioned, I got the audible yesterday afternoon. Brother Tyler texted me. I didn't see his text, so I see he got impatient, so he decided to call me. <laughs> and then he proceeded to ask, are you in town? Had I seen his text message, <laughs> I wouldn't have answered. <laughs> you know how we do, you know? You, you like those text messages that give you detail. So that way you can preview it before you decide whether or not you want to respond to it. 
my dad has a way of getting around that if you've ever gotten a message from him. His message always says, call me. That's all it says. <laughs> but maybe I don't want to call you. Give me the information, then I can decide if I should call you now or later. But when he says, call me, it always seems urgent. And nothing else needs to get done until I give that call. So that way I can focus on other things that I need to focus on. But can I tell you this? God's always on time. He is always on time. And uh, I was actually out doing the unthinkable last-minute Christmas shopping when he called me and trying to get some things and accomplish and everything. And in my mind, I was like, what? Okay. He says, so are you going to be able to do it? I'm like, I guess I have no choice. You know, but that's okay. Man, excellent service so far to this point. I appreciate the music that was sung. I appreciate the specials. Man, they blessed me. I don't know if they blessed you, but it blessed me. Today is Christmas. Today is why we celebrate Christmas. We're in Matthew chapter 2 this morning. We're going to look at verses 1 to 12. And I know we have things going on, so you bear with me. I'm going to get through this message. That means most of you say, man, you preach so fast. And I can't catch everything. But things are recorded, so you can always go back and listen to it again. So I'm going to preach what God's laid on my heart this morning. I trust that you tune into it. And I hope I've been a blessing to you. And those that are here, I see some faces that I haven't seen before. And... Uh, it's good to see those faces, and I trust that you would be blessed too, but I'm glad you're here this morning. If you found Matthew chapter 2, please say amen. amen. You can stay seated and just follow along with me as I read verses 1 to 12. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not the least among the prince of Judah, for out of these shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Let's pray. 
Father, Lord, I thank you. Thank you, Father, for the services we had so far to this point, Father. Thank you for all those that stepped up and, Father, those that presented in music today. And now, Father, I ask, Lord, that you would enter me a self and fill me with your spirit. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would use me in a mighty way today. I pray, Father, that those under the sound of my voice, whether Christians or not Christians, Father, those that are here, Lord, that they would be blessed by what you have to say tonight, Father. I'm just here this morning, Father, to be used by you. So now, Lord, I ask, Lord, that you would go before me, open my mouth, and, and allow the words that you have today for all of us, myself included, Lord, that we would not leave it on deaf ears, Father, but we would use it to further your gospel and your glory. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. In the verses prior to our text in chapter number one, as we see earlier, we see the conception and the birth of Jesus Christ. We see this very important historical event happening right on the pages of scripture before our eyes. The day when Jesus was born, the very first Christmas, where this celebration got its conception. Christmas, let us not forget, it is not Xmas, it's Christmas. And when you take Christ out of Christmas, you got a mess, amen? So you thank God that we still understand that it is Christmas and he is the reason for the season. But not everyone gathered around the first Christmas shared the same sentiment. Um, we see first of all Herod. See, Herod is the king over the Jews. At this time, Herod does not like Jesus. He's an evil man, if you would. He's a man full of contempt and he's in guile. When he hears of the birth of this promised Messiah, he is immediately troubled in his heart. He is angry. He is threatened, if you would, because in his mind, this man is a threat to my kingdom. He's coming to overthrow me. He's coming to steal my glory. He's coming to rob me of my position. And I certainly don't want to let this Jesus live on. So his desire is to kill him, to stamp him out, to exterminate him, to annihilate him. He gathers his chief priests together and they begin to pull up the history as to where he should be born, who he is and what the others before him had said about him. But they speak of it very indifferently. Herod was threatened and the chief priests and scribes were indifferent. It wasn't a big deal to them. It has been said that he would be born in Bethlehem and he was in such and such a person and they are just reading the records, if you would, that they were just telling what the ancient tales would say. But there really is no excitement about this Jesus. But there's a third set of characters, and they are one that for many years were preached about. They were sung about, they were written books about, we have been embellishing details about, but this morning as we look in Matthew chapter 2, we want to see what the Bible says about this third group of individuals that are known as the wise men. See, wise in their occupation, because they were counselors, if you would. They were advisors. They were scholars of their day. They were those that others turned to for pertinent information and for advice about specific situations. But I don't believe that's why they were wise. See, I don't believe their wisdom was because of their education. I don't believe that their wisdom was because of their riches. I don't believe that their wisdom was because of their occupation. We don't credit them for being wise because of all the things they did in earthly ways that made them wise in the eyes of the people. But see, there is something amazing about these fellas. In the midst of threatening king and in a different religious society, they separate them, and this is why I, and I believe the Bible calls them wise men. Because at Christmas, and this is the title of the message this morning, they were looking for Jesus. They were looking for Jesus they weren't troubled by his coming. They weren't threatened by his coming. They weren't indifferent about his coming. They were wise men who were excited 
about his coming. And instead of looking parties, instead of looking for family members, instead of looking for fortunes, instead of looking for everybody else, instead of looking for this and looking for that and looking for the other person, there's just one thing on their mind. There was one thing on their hearts. There was one thing on their agenda. There was one thing in their anticipation. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Where is Christ? Where is the Savior? Where is this God child? Where is Emmanuel? Where is the one we've been talking about? Where is the one that we've been witnessing about? Where is the one that the fanfare of angels have gathered about? Where is the one born in a manger? But not just anybody. There was something special about this baby to the wise men. And they traveled afar. They left their country. They followed the star because there was something in their hearts that said, I don't want to miss the main thing about Christmas. And that's Jesus. And if I tell you today, several thousand years have passed since that very first Christmas. But you know what God is looking for? Some wise men today. See, he's looking for some some wise women today. He's looking for some wise boys today. He's looking for some wise girls today. I'm going to tell you in a few moments, many of us will get up and we will gather around the tree. We'll take some bows off some gifts. We'll eat some food. We'll gather around some families. We'll have some um, festification. The stores will be discounted this week and the malls will be hustling and bustling with all those that are shopping. And there will be people off of work and kids will be away from school. And the airports will be full and people will be traveling all over the place. There will be parades on television. Special things that are documented. You know, all your normal TV shows are going to be off the air and they're going to have all those Christmas specials. I mean, how many of you always watch those Hallmark shows and you already know what it's going about? You can even write it yourself. I mean, and you see it and the actors are just so bad. But you know, there are going to be lights that are going to be set up on the houses and trees and all these festivities are going to happen. Because Christmas always drums up a bunch of excitement. I mean, an anticipation, a bunch of gleam, and many of these things, and smiles, and smiles that you've never seen on people before, and people will speak to you that have never spoke before, and all these things will happen. Why? Because there's something about the holiday that will stir us up. See, ladies and gentlemen, just because we're stirred up doesn't mean we're stirred up about the right thing. See, those of us that are born again by the Spirit of God, saved and blood-washed and redeemed and heaven-bound, we're not stirred up by the lights and decorations and the new clothes. We're not stirred up about Christmas trees. We're not hung on Santa Claus, the elves, and that sort of thing. We're not stirred up about the eggnog and food and family gatherings. Those things are great, but ladies and gentlemen, there's something about Christmas that supersedes all those fanfare, the decorations. That is one called Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. See, ladies and gentlemen, don't look for gifts and don't look for discounts. Don't look for bargains and don't look for the best decorations this Christmas. Be wise and look for Jesus. See, what a Savior. What a Savior. If you look for him, you'll find him. Oh, if you look for him, you'll see him. Look, if you look for him, you'll notice him. Oh, in the middle of your trials, if you look for him, you'll see him there. See, in the middle of your difficulties, if you look for him, you'll see him there. In the middle of your financial struggles, if you look for him, you'll see him there. In the middle of your physical battles, if you'll see he's there. In the middle of your family calamity, you'll see he's there. Oh, a lot of things won't go right and a lot of things won't go well. But can I tell you, but I'm here to say, hey, there's a smile on my heart. There's a smile on my face because this Christmas, if I get nothing, I got the greatest gift of all. I have Jesus and I'm looking for him. See, now why were they looking for him? 
very quickly with me this morning four things I believe they were looking for him for. Number one, to behold the curious phenomenon. If you're taking notes this morning, to behold the curious phenomenon. Listen, the Bible says in verse one, there came wise men from the east. Notice what the Bible says. Where is he that was born? king of the Jews. See, that chief priest and the scribes in verse 4, if you would, tells us what had been said about him. Look at verse 5. They said unto them, for thus it is written by the prophets. Now listen, what was so curious about the phenomenon? I'll tell you what was curious. He was one whose birth was centered around scriptural prophecy. Scriptural prophecy. Isaiah said, a virgin shall conceive. Isaiah 9 said, for unto us a child is born. Micah 5 said, he will be born in Bethlehem. The least of the cities. Now, wait a minute. Now, you know why they were looking for this baby? Because none of the other babies that were born around this time had been prophesied. See, none of the other babies had been spoken about by prophets. A bunch of years before you know what these wise men must have been thinking, there is something special about this baby. I mean, folks have been talking about this for a hundred years. There is something special about this baby. Jeremiah talked about it. Isaiah talked about it, Daniel talked about it, Micah talked about it, and David talked about it. Hmm, any baby that's been talked about a hundred years before he came, I want to find him. Let me tell you something. You know why I'm looking for Jesus this year? Because they've been talking about him. On the oh, the Bible has been talking about him. Oh, the scripture prophecy has been talking about him. That specified place, write that down, that specified place. Notice they said in Bethlehem. In Bethlehem, you know, they said, we want to look where they said he'd be born, in Bethlehem. I'm glad the Bible, a hundred years before he was born, said he wouldn't be born in just any place. I'm not, not introducing where most people would be expected for him to be born in a capital city, but in a little town of Bethlehem, an anonymous town, a, a poor town, a non-famous town, but a town where God decided where Jesus is born. See, you know what it says to me? You can look for him in all the popular places. You can't look for him in all the hoopla places. You can't look for him in the big places. You know why many people have not found Jesus? Oh, because they're looking for Jesus in the chat, in the mailbox. See, they're looking for Jesus in a healing in the doctor's office. They're looking for Jesus by a gift from somebody else. They're looking for Jesus in a big mega church that has a lot of money. But no, my friend, you, could it be that you'll find him in the most opportune place? Maybe this year you'll see Jesus where nobody else is there for you to see him. Maybe you'll see Jesus in the midnight hour when you're there by yourself. Maybe you'll see Jesus save a, lot, a lost loved one. Maybe you'll see Jesus in the doctor's office when it doesn't make sense. Maybe you'll see Jesus reaching out to a homeless person. Maybe you'll see Jesus calling somebody you become distanced from. Don't look for him in the big places. Look for him where he said he will be. I tell you where he said he would. Be, look for Jesus in the word of God. Amen. If you can't find him, open this Bible from Genesis to Revelations. Take these 66 books and every book on every page, you'll find Jesus written there. You'll find Jesus from Genesis to Revelations. Why? Because he consumes the word of God. This is a book about him. But if you can't find him in the canon of scripture, my friend, look at creation. See, look at the trees that move and the birds that sing. Look at the earth that moves. Look at the mountains and the flowers. Look at the brooks and the streams and the oceans. Look at the changes of leaves and the snow and the rain, at the sunshine and even the cold weather. Look at that. You can't give credit to the evolution of the Big Bang Theory. This is the hand of the master, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you can't find them in the scripture, if you can't find them in creation, how about you look in conversion? Conversion. 
Look at how he changed lives. Look at the people that are singing the songs of Zion. Look at the people that are in the house of God, not just on Christmas and Easter. Look at the people that are walking with him, that are talking with him, that are loving him. Why? Because he is with us, Emmanuel. They wanted to behold the curious phenomenon, the scriptural prophecy, the specified place, the shining preeminence. See the star, the scientists tried to figure out how this one star was illuminating most brightly above all the others. There's really no scientific coincidence to explain it there. The fact that creation lights up when the maker shows up. Could I say this again? Creation lights up when the maker shows up. You say, what in the world? Why was the star shining so bright? I could imagine that the star could remember when it was not. I say the star could remember perhaps when the first star appeared, could not know way back in Genesis 1 when it was dark and the earth was without form and void, when it was the voice of Jesus before he was ever born in Bethlehem that said, let there be light. And there was light. John said he is the light in him and was the light and the light of the world. No wonder that star lit up. His maker had been born. His maker had come to earth. By the way, Jesus did not get his life in Bethlehem. He was always has been and always will be. See, when he came to Bethlehem, that was when he was first got the body. Back in Genesis, Jesus was alive. Got the Father, got the Son. And got the Holy Ghost. He was the one that made the stars come in the sky. He was the one that made the light come out. Nowhere he divided the morning from the evening. By the way, the Bible said he was the one that, that he took of the dust of the ground and breathed into the nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. No wonder that star lit up. See, Jesus was in a town, and by the way, anywhere else he goes, today it lights up too. You say, preacher, I'm going through a dark time in my life. Get Jesus there. He'll light it up. Oh, I'm going through some dark things in my past. Jesus in there. He'll light it up. I got some family struggling members that are dwelling in darkness. Give them Jesus. They'll light up. I'm struggling financially. I'm battling physically. I'm struggling emotionally. I'm in the middle of my crisis. I can't find my way out. I need more money. I need more friends. I need a better health. I need Christmas gifts. If I just get this bonus... If I just get this doctor's advice, I'll be better in January. Let me tell you something. All doctors news, all the money and all the fame and all the fortune, it all wears out. But there's somebody that when he shows up, heaven and nature sings. See, stars start shining and the world starts shaking and things start looking up. Why? Because when Jesus comes in town, things light up. So we've seen a star. You say, preacher, I'm looking for him this year. Where can I find him? Just look for the light. See, just look for that brightest spot in town, I guarantee you, Jesus. When you come to church and you see that bright Christian shining in the midst of a wicked world, hey, Jesus is there. Hey, yes, his light stains up. Hey, they came to behold the curious phenomenon. Secondly, I'm moving. They came to bow in his captivating presence. They came to bow in his captivating presence. Notice what the Bible says when they saw the star. Look at verse 10. It says they rejoice with exceeding great joy. You know what that tells me? When they found him, they got happy. <laughs> no, no, let me say that again. When they found him, they had a happy attitude. Write that down. Now, you know I'm looking at some folks today that could stand a little happiness. You know, people that need to be happy. And you know what that tells me? I guarantee you that I'm preaching to people that are going through some things. You know, the devil is busy. And the world is crazy. And the flesh is off the chain. But I'm going to tell you something, that when you find Jesus, he'll make you happy. 
that when that star stops, and you know what, that could have arrived at your destination, could you look back to that time when you found him? Can you remember that time when you looked back, when you got saved in the middle of whatever you were going through today? Can I give you a time out from your trial? Uh, could, I, could you just step away from that puddle of misery for a moment? Can you take a little rest from your pity party? And could you, my friend, leave your little conference room of despair and think back to the time that that star stood over Jesus and when you found him, he changed your life? See, he gave you a song and he took you out of the miry clay Turns you around. Isn't it about time this Christmas we get back to Jesus and get happy again? There was a happy attitude. Notice there was a humble approach. They fell down. Why? Why do you want to find him so we can bow down? That's why. They were singing this morning because I worship the one, that one who saved me, the one who raised me, the one who healed me, the one who fills, the one who comforts me, the one who walks with me, uh, the one who hears my prayers, the one who answers my requests, the one who calms my storms, the one who gives me peace, the one who's there when no one else is there. You say, preacher, I'm going through something. Can I tell you this morning? Nothing you face is bigger than your Savior. When we find Jesus this Christmas, you know what we do? We bow down. And we just worship him. I think, I think that we spend so much time all year long bowing down to money, uh, bowing down to cars, bowing down to video games, bowing down to music, bowing down to cellular phones, bowing down to Facebook and Instagram. This year, take a break from all your nonsense and say, where is Jesus? When you hear him in a song, bow down. When you see him in a message, bow down. When he answers your prayer, bow down. When he shows up in your misery, bow down. In the middle of the night, when he talks to you, bow down. When he comes to you financially, bow down. When he wakes you up in the morning, bow down. When he keeps blessing you, bow down. When you see his word, bow down. When you see him fall down and worship him, wow. You see, the people that aren't bowing are the ones who haven't seen him. Yeah. Hmm. See, when you see him somehow, the ground pulls your knees to it. Yeah. I'm just saying, the more he goes up, the more we come down. The more he's exalted, the more we're humbled. The more he's lifted up, the more we're lowered down. Ladies and gentlemen, the glory of God, it's so great. When Isaiah saw him high and lifted up, he said, woe is me. When Ezekiel saw him, he was astonished and said, the wheel in the middle of the wheel. When John the Baptist saw him, I'm not worthy to unbuckle his shoe. When those fellows saw him on the mountain of tribulation, they fell down and wanted to stay a while. And my friend, when I feel like I'm overwhelmed, when I feel like I'm drowning in misery, uh, when I'm confused, it rises, when the devil puts a bullseye on me and temptation shows up in my life and disappointment seems to prevail, all I have to do is put my spiritual glasses and tune into the Holy Ghost of God and lay my eyes on Jesus. And there's something about him that makes me bow. It makes me worship. It, it makes me adore him. It makes me praise him. When I think about the fact that he is a wonderful counselor and almighty God, an everlasting father, the prince of peace. He is a marvelous, he is altogether lovely. Just bow down a while. Amen. Do you see him? I love that song. Mary, did you know? Let me ask you, do you know? The way it's described him, I like the way it sets the tone of the way the world was like, you know? Just waiting in silence and anticipation his arrival. See, the Bible talks about silent night as a holy night. 
It was like all of creation was anticipating. The creator shows up. It's like the master of ceremonies had given the introduction. It's like all the special music had been performed. It's like the stage had been set, decorations had been done, the order of service has been written, and all the preliminaries had been accomplished, and now the main stage was set, and all of creation had their eyes focused on him. And out of glory and to the humanity, the Lord Jesus, the Bible says, it was an incarnate robe and flesh. He that knew no sin took on a human body, stepped out of eternity into humanity for the purpose of saving our souls. And these wise men laid eyes on him and fell down. And I worry sometimes that we're bowing to everybody but him. See, we look at the sports center and we drool. And we look at the sales and we get pumped up. We look at football, and I'll just say this. Merry Christmas, Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Man. Yeah, that was a rough one. Oh, we're even. It's okay. Yes. God's a forgiving God, and we understand that. <laughs> But you know what? We look at Jesus like we're doing a favor. You know why? They were wise. They hit the debt. Look for him today. When you see him in his glory, you'll bow down to him. Oh, humble approach. Oh, holy adoration. The Bible said they worshiped him. Why? Because of who this baby was. Who bows down to babies? I've seen a lot of babies and in my lifetime. I've seen the joy that it brings to parents' face, but I've never seen a baby that I bent down and worshiped him. But there was something different about this baby. There was something special about this baby. And so these wise men didn't say, oh, Mary, I'm glad you're doing fine. They didn't say, Joseph, it's good to see you. Joseph wasn't even mentioned in this passage. The main event was Jesus. Oh, and if we are wise today, we are bowing down. You know, I got to think. I've been thinking about this. I was thinking about this song this week. And I was listening to this song, and, I, and it got stuck on this song. He is more than wonderful. One of the old time favorites around here. He promised us that he would be our counselor, a mighty God and a prince of peace. He promised us that he would be our father and would love us with a love that would not cease. Well, I tried him and I found his promises are true. Have you tried him? He's everything he said that he would be. The finest words I know cannot begin to tell just how much he really means to me. For he's more wonderful than my mind can conceive. He's more wonderful then my heart can believe he goes beyond my highest hopes and fondest dreams. He's everything that my soul ever longed for, everything he promised, and so much more. He's more than amazing. He's more than marvelous. He's more than miraculous could ever be. He's more than wonderful. 
That's what Jesus is to me. Is that you? Is that what he is to you? If that is not enough to get you worshiping him, what in the world will you know? The amazing thing about that is the amazing God that he is. All of his glory is with me. All of his wonder is with me. His grace is with me. It made me look around and look outside and realize everything around me speaks of his glory. Let me ask you, when is the last time you bowed down? So they came to bow down to his captivating presence. Thirdly, write this down. They came to bring a consecrated presentation. Know what the Bible says. And when they had opened their treasures, you know what that tells me? That it was a sacrificial giving. They said, we are in the presence of God. We bow to our knees, by the way. To worship to God ought to cause us to bow to our knees. It should motivate us to give our substance. It should open their treasures. You know what I found out? That people are more apt to give more generally from somebody else's stuff. Isn't it amazing how creative people get in splurging for events when they're operating on somebody else's budget? I mean, and how frugal they instantly they become when they're spending their own money. It's amazing that the entrees that the people will try when somebody else is flipping the bill, but it's amazing how they make their own lemonade from water and Splenda when they're buying their own food. You know what I like about these wise men? They looked into their own stuff. What do we have? I'm asking you this, Christmas, when you find Jesus, don't be looking for what other people have. What do you have? They opened their treasures. See, that sacrificial giving, but not only did they have sacrificial giving, they had symbolic gifts. They presented unto him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gifts. What gifts did they have for Jesus? Number one, they had gold. What does that say? That says he was a supreme ruler. You see, gold is a gift fit for a king. They didn't want to throw the cheap stuff at him. After all, he might be a baby in a manger. He's still king of kings and lord of lords. See, I'm saying when you bring Jesus something, bring him something like he's king. Sing to him like he's king. Give to him like he's king. Praise him like he's king. Talk about him like he's king. Brag on him. Gold. Then number two, frankincense. Frankincense was an incense offered to God. So not only are they saying he is a supreme ruler, they're saying that he's a sovereign reality. In other words, he's a baby that is king on earth. In other words, he is also a baby who is God in heaven. Hey, let me tell you something. Let's not forget that Jesus isn't just a cuss word that you put before you say a bad word. See, a butler you ring the bell for when you get thirsty. He's not somebody you can just call on when you stump your toe or you call on when you don't have anything else to say. See, let me remind you, he's still God, he's still king, he's still Lord, he still has all the power in his hand, and when you bring him a gift, bring him a gift like he's king and he's God. Then number three, myrrh. Myrrh was a bitter substance used to embalm people at death. So think about this. They gave him a gift to say that he was a supreme ruler. He's thinking he's sovereign reality. He's God, but myrrh, why? One day he's going to be my suffering redeemer. See, you know what these wise men understood? He's a baby lying in a manger, but 33 and a half years, he's going to be kissed by one of his own disciples and led away by the Roman soldiers. 33 and a half years from now, that little baby is going to be a grown man and his own people are going to cry from the mob's contempt. Crucify him. Crucify him. 
of that cute little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes is going to rise up one day as a grown man to stand before Pilate who can find no fault in him but yet condemned him to death and called for Barabbas to be released. A murderer who was guilty of sin that gave myrrh because that baby that grew up, he was an infant, but that savior would be slapped. He would be punched. His beard would be ripped out. They take the crown of thorns, they plait it, and they shove it into his head, and, and blood would come down on his face. See, that baby boy would grow up. He would have a cat of nine tails with nine different compartments on a whip, and it would be laced with glass, metal, and stone, and they would slap it in his back, pull his skin out. See, that baby will grow up and carry his own cross, and he would need help because it was too heavy for him. See, that little baby would have his clothes stripped off him and gambled over by his accusers. See, that little baby would grow up one day, and after he carried his cross, they put nails into his hands. They put into his feet and nails, and that grown man to a cross. See, on that Savior, while he was on that cross, will have a sign hanging over his head, and mockery, when he truly was there delivering that Savior, would hang on that cross, his very own would forsake him. See, many that he would love would dissipate from him. See, that baby would grow up, and as a man, instead of crying out and sending down 10,000 angels, he would cry out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. See, that baby would be situated between two thieves, one on the right and one on the left, while altogether sinless. Uh, as the man in the middle, that baby would grow up, and that 33-and-a-half-year-old man would give up the ghost. He had a sword plunged into his side, and the blood gushed out, stripped off that cross placed in a borrowed tomb because he was too poor to own his tomb. See, he was put there for Roman soldiers to guard his body and a big stone in front of it. See, that lovely little boy that grew up into a grown man three days after his utter brutalizing would get up out of the grave and rise again with resurrection power. That's why they gave him myrrh. He will suffer for him. That's why I want to see him this Christmas. I want to tell him I love him. See, I want to tell him, thank you for dying for me. You see, those wise men were looking forward to his death. We're looking backwards at it already happened. See, we got a better advantage point than they do. And if we brought gifts anticipating his suffering, we surely should be bringing gifts in gratitude of his suffering. Yeah, Lastly, and I finish this, is the part of the message that tickled me the most. They were looking for Jesus to become changed people. See, now, look at this with me a moment. When they first came to Jerusalem looking for him, they were asking questions for directions. Where is he? Uh, the, uh, the wise men, where is he? The chief priests say they said he would be born in Bethlehem. They have never laid eyes on Jesus. But when they met Jesus, the Bible said instead of asking for direction, God was giving them direction. They were intending to go back to King Herod. But notice what the scripture said. Look at it in verse number 11. Well, verse number 12, and being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. But notice, see, when you meet Jesus, you meet God. And when you meet God, you receive the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, you get indwelt with a divine witness. When you meet Jesus looking for answers, you leave Jesus having received the answers. See, you see, you learn something. When you get to Jesus, the divine witness comes to live inside of you. Now, you don't have to go ask for somebody. God will tell you himself. See, notice the Bible says they had a warning, divine witness. But I like this, a different. The Bible says they departed into their own country another way. Now, look here just a moment. You know what I learned from this passage of Scripture? When you meet Jesus, you don't have to go back the same way. 
See, that they came to meet Jesus this way, but after they left, they woke up and realized, we don't want to go back whence we came. We're going to go back this way. You understand? See, let me tell you something. You know why I want to see him this year? Because I want to tell him in 2022, I've seen people come to church one way and leave out church another way. See, I've seen alcohol grip somebody's life, but they lay their eyes on Jesus and they put the bottle down. See, I've heard about this ministry about Reforms Unanimous, who people whose lives were in disarray, who were hooked on drugs, and they were hooked on alcohol and immorality, and they found Jesus, and he turned their life around. See, let me tell you something. I don't know what you're dealing with today or where you're coming from or what you've been going through. I don't know what is gripping your life, what is dominating your mind. I don't know what you're hooked on or what you're battling with or the bitterness that you have that you can't let go. I don't know what you're drinking in a fit about or what you've lost in a mess about. But I want to tell you this Christmas, if you find Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you won't go back the same way. See, he changed his lives and they went back another way. There's something about the witness of God in you when you meet his son that says, you don't have to go back no more. You don't have to go there anymore. You don't have to act like that anymore. You don't have to take that anymore. You don't have to be that anymore. You know why? I want to see him this year. I want to see him change me to make me a better preacher, to make me a better son, to make me a better Christian, to make me a better husband, to make me a better father, to make me a better friend, and to make me a better soul winner. See, you can come to church and not see Jesus. You can open your Bible if you're devilish enough and you can miss him. You can be a preacher, a deacon, and not see Jesus. You can't see him and go back the same way. He just has that kind of effect on people. Amazing, they entered Jerusalem asking somebody, point us to Jesus. They left Bethlehem being warned of God. See, isn't it amazing that when you got saved, all of a sudden the stuff you used to do, you had guilt, you had, that you had no guilt about now and you do? And you're like, oh. I don't have to do that anymore. Oh, I don't have to go there anymore. Somebody calls you up and says, hey, and then you get there and say, wait a minute, I don't have to be here anymore. See, nobody told you that. You didn't talk to Dr. Oz about it. You haven't even been through a discipleship class. You haven't even read through the Bible yet, but somehow an encounter with Jesus and something said, don't go back the same way. He just does that. See, this Christmas through it all, this is what's happening. Let's not miss the main event. Let's not get so hooked up on all the gifts and all the hoopla and get ups and say, man, it's Christmas and man, I should be opening up gifts. I should be cooking dinner. And the main event is just worshiping our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. The main event is getting people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, telling people, hey, there is something special that is happening today that you can just find Jesus if you just come to church, if you just listen to him. I mean, have you tried him this morning? Where are we at? Because now, 3,000 years later, there's still people looking for Jesus. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you. Thank you for your word today, Father. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son as a baby over 2,000 years ago, Father, to be the savior of the world. That innocent baby born in a manger would one day hang on the cross. And yet, Father, 3,000 years later, we're still looking for him. Father, I pray this morning that, Lord, if there's someone here 
kept us looking for you, Father, that you would reach down from the heaven above, Lord, and that you would touch their heart this morning. And, Father, that you would draw them to you. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would do what only you can do here today. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.